You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number seven. Hey there, welcome to Nonprofit Confidential. This podcast is all about giving you insider tips and sharing compelling stories to help you build an exceptional nonprofit organization. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm the founder of Third Suite, which offers consulting and courses that strengthen the nonprofit sector and help you increase your organization's impact. So today's episode is part two of our fundraising mini-series. Last week's episode was all about building authentic donor relationships using what I call a donor roadmap, and there was a freebie accompanying the episode. If you haven't had a chance, go check out that episode and download the PDF that goes along with it. This week, we'll be getting into choosing the right fundraising event for your nonprofit organization. And I've created a worksheet that will help you do just that. To get that worksheet, head on over to thirdsuite.com forward slash seven. That's thirdsuite.com forward slash seven. And you can follow along with the worksheet or listen to the episode and go back and complete the worksheet afterwards. So I decided to focus on choosing an appropriate fundraising event as the topic for part two of our fundraising mini-series because there actually is a lot of information out there about tools you can use to raise more money through events or what's a reasonable ROI to expect or even lists of unique types of fundraising events. But there really is not much information available regarding the specific steps it takes to choose the correct type of fundraising event that is appropriate for your nonprofit. So that's what I aim to achieve here today. But first, a story. Early on in my career, I worked with an organization that had a very passionate board member. The organization was a chapter of a national organization, and the national office worked with these chapters to put on a national fundraising event to raise money for their cause. So each of the chapters that chose to participate held the same type of event. The national office provided back-end administrative support in exchange for a fee. They provided communications, marketing material, the fundraising website branded specifically for each chapter. They helped recruit volunteers and donors and brought together a lot of teams. The only real logistical piece that the chapter I was working with at the time had to do was really find a venue and find a caterer. So the real effort of bringing people to the event was taken care of by the national office. This event was a huge hit and raised a significant amount of money. But because the chapter had to pay the national office, which had contracted with an event management company to coordinate this national effort, the chapter that I worked with really only received around 20% of every dollar raised, so around 20 cents up to the dollar. So our eager board member who heard about this event was outraged and decided that we didn't need the national office the following year to throw an amazing fundraising event. Together, our eager board member and staff worked to host a fundraising event the following year. 
we contacted all the people who attended that first event and told them about our great new one. We invited all of our donors. We actually got our event venue for free and had some great items to raffle. The big day arrived and it was an outdoor event. We had the perfect weather. So we were all really excited. Like, yes, this event is going to be great. And then it completely flopped. Like completely. (laughs) When I say flopped, I mean there were more volunteers than there were event attendees. We actually raised about half as much as we did the previous year, which all things considered was actually pretty good, but essentially it was not the event we had hoped for. Our eager board member lost his enthusiasm and eventually actually rotated off the board. The organization ended up losing a huge supporter, and I think he was really discouraged because he had put a lot of effort into this event and really put his name behind it, but also as the most vocal board member regarding canceling that former event, the national effort with the 20% return, I think he kind of felt bad that he didn't get the result he was hoping for. And honestly, it was very unfortunate for the organization to lose a quality board member like that. So what went wrong? Here's the thing. Our eager board member was a young professional around early to mid thirties. His ideal event was gathering together the community for a fun outdoor activity with good food, good drinks, fun raffle items that included beer making kits and limited edition brews. Our donor pool on the other hand were majority women who were over 50. We didn't take the time to analyze our data to make sure that the event we chose was a good fit for our current donors. Unless this was a fundraiser that was heavily marketed to a younger crowd, no one would have known to show up, and our donor pool was not interested. And again, we did raise money, but it's really because our donors would have supported any event, but they wouldn't attend just any event. And if they don't attend, They can't recruit their friends, and we can't get big sponsors because our attendance is low, so it kind of spirals from there. I definitely learned a lot from this painful experience, and now when I work with clients, I'm very cautious and take a lot of time and effort to make sure that their fundraising events and donor pools overlap. And we've actually been able to raise over $700,000 from just one event, because we've clearly identified the appropriate attendees and create an event they want to attend and one that will encourage them to make those large donations. So my goal here today is one, to ensure that painful experience never happens to you, and two, to walk you through the steps needed to identify a fundraising event that is a good fit for your organization. So let's cover some basic information. When I say event, what I'm really talking about here are fundraising events. So this means that you intend to receive some level of monetary benefit to your organization in exchange for hosting an event. Not all events offer an ROI, so I want to make it clear that we're really talking about a monetary goal here or return on investment. And the thing is, Events require an insane amount of energy and effort and staff time. 
there really is no event I can point to that does not involve extra time from staff. So from a pragmatic point of view, if you're going to have a fundraising event, you have to expect it's going to take a lot of work and ensure that the work is worth it. Now, how can you determine if it is worth it? As much work as it takes to put on a fundraising event, there really are some very clear benefits to hosting them. If you look at the state of your organization and resources available to you, if you are primed to reap these benefits and have the support of your staff and board, it's worth considering. Not all events have a high ROI or return on investment. But according to Peer-to-Peer 30, which studies the top three peer-to-peer fundraising events, they found that altogether, just these top 30 events raised nearly $1.45 billion in 2017. So I'll link to the study in the show notes so you can read that in more detail. But importantly, this report indicates that across the board, nonprofits are making an effort to ensure their events are effective and efficient. So as a sector, we're no longer spending $95,000 on fancy galas only to raise $100,000. That's an extreme example, but it is a true one. But again, on the extreme end, and you get what I mean. As a sector, we're increasingly becoming knowledgeable about ROI, and we're becoming savvy in increasing that number and using data to inform our efforts. When you're determining if you should host an event and what type of event to host, some due diligence around this data is very important. And actually, what I'll do is I'm going to include some links in the show notes to some helpful links and resources that provide more data on ROI and ways that you can assess that. So definitely look for that at thirdsuite.com forward slash seven. But some of the events of hosting fundraising events are, of course, there's the monetary return. But another is strengthening community bonds. There is truly nothing equivalent to the capacity of a fundraising event to get so many like-minded people into one space. And these community bonds really go in all angles. Your staff is bonding with volunteers helping at the event, with donors who are giving to the organization, and with program participants and community leaders. But event attendees are also networking with each other. I've been to so many events where attendees meet others who are facing or have faced the same struggles as them and have the same interests. And it really is a beautiful thing to be the vehicle for these types of new relationships. I want to touch on this volunteer aspect for a second. If your organization doesn't have many one-off, done-in-a-day types of volunteer events that can attract new volunteers, events can be particularly beneficial for that. Along the same token, though, I really wouldn't go out of your way to host an event just to get these types of volunteers unless there is a clear path you have identified to convert these one-time volunteers into more consistent volunteers that can truly help move the organization forward. What I mean by that is 
you might convert an event volunteer into a board member or better yet, in a volunteer who comes into the office and helps with data entry on a consistent basis. Or you convert this one-time volunteer from a donor of time to a donor of money. The third benefit is donor recognition. Fundraising events provide a wonderful opportunity for the organization to highlight key supporters and acknowledge all that they've done for the organization. Doing so can really deepen that relationship and make the donor know just how much they are appreciated. The fourth benefit is brand awareness. And brand awareness is essentially telling the world, hey, we exist. If your community doesn't even know you exist, they can't support you. And with the fundraising event, you have something really exciting to market and a reason for people to engage with your organization. This can mean attracting new donors to your organization. Um, Fundraising events are a really nice way for new donors who are curious about your organization to kind of, you know, dip a toe into the donor pool and see if they want to support your organization further. And this can also be a really great way for corporations to get involved with your organization for the first time. Companies definitely like that marketing aspect that comes with supporting fundraising events. So there is definitely the potential to develop new relationships there and deepen relationships with corporations. Now, all that being said, though, a word of caution. Events are incredibly draining on your staff. So before you dive into an event, you really need to make sure that you have the support of your staff and your board. Maybe even get some early confirmation that board members will attend the event and be an ambassador that brings people to the event or will help in some other way. This is really not a decision to take lightly. Okay, so now that I've scared you to death, let's get into the planning process and how to determine what type of fundraising event to host. Now, we're going to start really big picture and then funnel down. Once you've determined that you want to host an event, there are three phases that I lay out to decide what type of event to host. Phase one. The first thing that you'll want to do is to get really clear on the purpose of the event. So obviously, a fundraising event is to raise funds, but a lot of times, more often than you might expect, organization leadership will want to tack on an additional purpose. Fundraising and community events are the two that I hear most often. So a friend raiser is an event specifically to attract new individuals to your organization, and that can be a donor or volunteer or even just a cheerleader for the organization. A friend raiser does not have the primary purpose of raising money. In fact, if the event does not raise any money but brings in a lot of new friends, it could be considered successful. Is that your purpose though? Is this what your board intended? Is this what your staff supports? When I say community event, I mean gathering together your community of people you serve in celebration. Again, the primary purpose is not necessarily raising money. An event with a small margin or even no return, but one that gathers a community together and strengthens those bonds could be considered successful if that's the intent. Again though, is this really your intention? 
Is this the purpose that your staff supports? Is the board expecting low to no revenue? You really need to get clear on the purpose. The purpose truly serves as your North Star and guides your decision making. Now, I'm not saying that a friendraiser and a fundraiser or community event are all mutually exclusive. And just before this, I mentioned that friendraising and strengthening bonds are in fact benefits of hosting a fundraising event. But I truly believe you need a clear focus that will guide your decision making. Let's say your organization provide services for families who are vulnerable to experiencing homelessness. An event with solely a fundraising purpose would likely get your largest donors in a room, have a moving speaker that encourages donors to give generously, and will likely have very few program participants at the event. Right? There's limited seating. You want those seats going to donors who will boost the ROI of the event because the primary purpose is raising money. If this event doubles as a community event, that means seats are going to get comped for program participants because you're not going to charge them to come because they're vulnerable to experiencing homelessness, so why would you charge them? If you give away 50 seats, and let's say each seat is $200, at a minimum, you've lost $10,000 from that ROI. You've strayed from your original purpose of raising money. And maybe that's okay, but that needs to be your purpose to begin with, so those lost funds can be budgeted for. Maybe you'll find a sponsor to cover those 50 tickets, but you can't assign that task until you've planned and accounted for those free tickets. Really take some time to write out a statement of purpose for the event. Here's an example. The primary purpose of our upcoming spring gala is to raise $100,000 in net profits. The XYZ organization values the participation of our clients in our events and will save 50 seats for free for program participants. So that freebie that I mentioned, the event planning worksheet that can be found at thirdsuite.com forward slash seven, it will actually give you a space to write out your statement of purpose. So whenever you get a chance to download that worksheet and start filling in this information. Okay, so now that we've clarified our purpose, phase two is to assess your target audience. Remember how our eager board member didn't do that? Yeah, let's not follow in his footsteps. Do your research. This means really clarifying who your target audience is. Do you want to primarily serve your current donor pool? Do you want to attract a different demographic of donors to your organization? Once you've answered those questions, there are some follow-up. What is the age range of your target audience? Where do they live? What type of events do they typically attend and enjoy? Is your target audience male or female, or couples, or families? Narrowing in on your target audience helps you create an event that your target audience will enjoy and want to attend. It makes sense. If your target audience is male donors, your fundraiser won't be a private shopping experience at a women's boutique. But again, really do your research here. I would even suggest reaching out to members of your target audience and asking them for feedback. 
there really is nothing worse than dedicating a ton of staff time and energy and effort to hosting an event only to have no one show up. It's such a disappointment for everyone involved and truly is a misallocation of resources. So I can't stress the importance of this step enough. Okay, on to phase three. Once you've identified this target audience, the next step is to hold a brainstorming session where you map out all of the resources available to your organization and all of the different event options. So on that worksheet that you can find at thirdsuite.com forward slash seven, I included a section for you to literally draw out a mind map. So we have one for resources and one for event type. But ideally, you'll be engaging a group of people in this brainstorming session. So you can either perhaps print out a couple of these worksheets and ask each person involved in the process to brainstorm on their own, and then you guys can all come together. Or you can do a, um, you know, like a big group brainstorming session and put the mind map up on a whiteboard or something. So some resources might be a board member who owns a local restaurant where you might be able to host an event for free, or maybe one of your major supporters has a beautiful home that they might be willing to let your organization use to host an event. It could even be that where your organization is located, um, there's a lot of wide open spaces. So you could host an event outdoors and maybe your sibling owns a catering company. So just start to brainstorm and jot literally everything down. There truly are no bad ideas at this point. And do the same for events. So there are your typical fundraising events like galas, cocktail parties, walks, runs, golf tournaments. And then there are events you can host that are unique to your organization. So maybe you want this fundraiser to engage entire families, so perhaps a field day type of nostalgic event is an option. Or there's this great organization that I really hope to feature on this podcast soon, and they're called the Love Life Now Foundation, and they raise money for domestic violence awareness. They host a walkathon, but all the participants, male and female, wear heels. So they call it a heelathon to encourage healing. It's kind of cute, but again, it's very unique to their organization and their mission, and it fits them. So get creative. Nothing is off the table. And again, involve as many people in this process as possible. Just remember to maybe set some ground rules that no idea is a bad idea, and you really want to fill up these mind maps as much as possible, because the more ideas you have and the more resources you list, the better your chances are of finding that winning combo. And the winning combo, I feel like I need a drum roll or something here, but the winning combo is a match between the interests of your target audience, available resources, and event type. This is gold. This is the sweet spot you want to get to when you're choosing your fundraising event. But this doesn't only have to be for new events. You can absolutely use this process to go back and analyze your current fundraising events because that can show you where there might be misalignment. So 
perhaps if you want to keep your current event because maybe you've built out systems internally and it's easy for your staff to run. Maybe it's a well-oiled machine. So perhaps what you need to do is market to the target audience that would enjoy this type of event. Or maybe this process just reinforces that the event that you're currently hosting is exactly what you should be doing. So if anyone challenges you on that, you can show them that you've really done your due diligence and have analyzed the data. I'll just reiterate, fundraising events are a lot of work. Even once you've identified that perfect combo of target audience interest, resources available, and event type, it will be a lot of work. But when you have an event that really resonates with your target audience, that work will pay off and the proper event can really benefit your organization. So it kind of makes all that hard work worth the effort. If you're in the process of planning a new event or you're going to analyze your current fundraising events, head on over to thirdsuite.com forward slash seven to download this freebie that walks you through all of the three phases that I've laid out in this episode. Okay, friends, that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with part three of our fundraising mini series, where we'll be going into how to choose the best donor database for your organization. All right, I'll talk to you then. Same time, same place. See ya. Before you go, would you like to receive free tips, resources, exclusive opportunities, and an invitation to our private Facebook group? If so, sign up for our email list. You'll receive a weekly email with a reminder about upcoming podcast episodes, tons of freebies, and exclusive opportunities. To sign up, head on over to thirdsuite.com. Thank you.